We have been talking about and walking through some core values of heritage. We've called this series Healthy Habits. To this point, we have talked to you about intimacy with God. We have talked to you about family. We have shared with you about people matter. We have talked, and last week, Brian did such a great job in bringing to us the the core value of authentic community. And we said this, uh, you can be authentic and not have community, and you can have community and not be authentic. Man, listen, this is one way to participate in, in spiritual growth is to gather together. But we believe that, that, that growth, spiritual growth, best happens in those smaller environments, like a men's retreat, like a, a, a youth uh, camp, like a women's retreat, and those things that happen, missional communities, uh, smaller environments where you have an opportunity to talk about God's word, not just get together to have fellowship. I mean, listen, the pagans have fellowship. But as believers, to be able to get together and gather together to talk about God's word, to discuss God's word. And we asked the question last week, am I connected? And Brian said, look, you either are or you aren't. You either are in a small group or you're not in a small group. But every one of us need to be in a small group because that's where we believe, by far, spiritual growth happens. And today we're going to talk to you about the kingdom perspective. Um. Before we talk to you about kingdom perspective, we want to be able to do like we've done every time up leading up into this point. We want to give you some questions to ask yourself to review. And just like in the, in the, in the past weeks, um, we want you to grade yourself, okay? So this is for you. This isn't for your spouse or anybody else. But Troy, this is for you, not for Leslie. Raymond, for you. This isn't for Myra, okay? That's not what we're doing. Um, and so what I want to do is give you some questions, and you can answer those. Zero, never. One, occasionally. Two, making progress. Three, often. Four, most of the time. We don't have a five because there's not really anything we do all of the time, right? We may miss a few here and there, but so we wanted to be as consistent as possible. But I want to ask you some questions, and at the end, we'll sort of have an opportunity to, to evaluate where you are. So here's question number one. Question number one, and you, you have it there in your notes. Am, I am consistently serving God with my gifts and abilities that he has given me. So how would you grade yourself? Question number two, I regularly reflect on how my life can have an impact for the kingdom of God. Zero, one, two, three, four. Question number three, I'm willing to go anywhere God calls me in whatever capacity to share about Jesus. Somebody had asked me earlier, we had prayed over one of our guys, Rob Sullivan, um, and who is in Africa. I think he has arrived in Africa. And somebody said, what is, what is Rob in Africa for? Rob is in Africa because he, uh, about 12 or so years ago, Rob had the opportunity of going to Africa to, to build a hospital there. And they are having to add on to that hospital. And Rob felt like that's what the Lord wanted him to do. So yesterday, he left yesterday afternoon to head to Africa to be able to work there on that hospital. And he'll be there for the next 10 days. Question number four. I live with a passion of purpose to glorify God in all aspects of my life. Question number five. I live in an awareness that Satan has a desire to destroy me because my purpose in life is to glorify God and impact the kingdom. I mean, do you, do you recognize that Satan wants to destroy you, that he wants to destroy your integrity, that he wants to destroy your character, that he wants to destroy your marriage, that he wants to destroy your family? Do you live with that sense of awareness 
especially when you want to live life with a purpose to glorify God. And then question number six, a review of how I use my finances shows that I think more about God and others than I do myself. A review of how I use my finances shows that I think more about God and others than I do about myself. And how about totaling those up? There are some correlation there with some numbers. Talk about a babe in Christ, someone that is like a newborn. You would have a score somewhere between three and six. A, cry, a childlike follower, like, almost just like growing up, a, a young child of seven to 12, a growing disciple, like a teenager, 13 to 18, and a maturing disciple, you would score somewhere between 19 and 24. Now, let's do this really quickly, off the cuff. Which was the area that you seemed to struggle with the most? Somebody want to raise their hand and say, this is the area that, I, that I, I scored the lowest on. Anybody? Yes. Number three, and that's Sabine, isn't it Sabine? Yep, that's Sabine. Number three, I'm willing to go anywhere God calls me in whatever capacity to share about Jesus. So thank you, Sabine, for sharing that. Somebody else that you'd say, hey, listen, this was the, the area that I scored the lowest in. Anybody? I'm good. I'm good about calling. Yeah, what'd you say, Sean? Number three, two? Okay. Miss Dottie? Number four, I live with a passion of purpose to glorify God in all. See, the good, the good word there is all. That's the thing that sort of catches Anybody else? Yes. Number three? Number five? Number six. Always. Always room for improvement. And that's what this is. This is an evaluation. This isn't a, a pass or fail. This is, and where am I at? And maybe this does this reveal to me some areas that I may be weak that I struggle with. I mean, if think if we look at all of these, we probably there's 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 room for growth in every one of these areas. I want to do this before we start because today, I, man, I listen, I got this much and we gotta put it into this much. And I need to figure a way to do that. But I think there's something that God wants to say to you because he's really, he's really filled me up with a lot over the past couple of weeks as I've been looking at this. And there's been some things, James, that I've seen that I've really never seen before. And, and, I, and I think that God wants to speak to you today because if you listen, his word is going to speak very clearly because we're going we're gonna to read a lot of scripture today. But I think it's very clear that if you're a citizen of God's kingdom, I want you to see something that the scripture teaches us today. So I wanted to start out just to pray for you because, man, I know the devil, didn't want, he, he's not going to want you to hear this morning what needs to be said. He's not going to want you to identify this morning with, with what you're going to hear because it's going to be counter to the culture in which we live. But God's kingdom is not of this world. It's different. So let me pray with you and then we'll get into the scripture today. Father, I, I just asked, Lord, I feel like today is such a critical time coming out of yesterday as we, as with the men, we, we talked about what it looks like to be a disciple, to be under the rule and authority of a king. 
what it it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. And and today, there's probably going to be some rub that happens because, Lord, I think if we read your scripture and we see what it says, I, I just want it to illuminate our hearts to a place that we go, man, I've never seen, I've never understood that. I've never seen that. And God, this morning, would you reveal something to us through your word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that, we'll, that when we walk out this, these doors today, that there will be a, an, a, an aching in our heart uh, to move in that direction in which you lead us. That's what I pray. There may be someone here today that, that has never made you. They've, they've walked an aisle, and, and Lord, they've, they've participated in baptism, and they've seen other people, but they've never... They've never put it to the, got to the place that they have placed themselves underneath your authority and are listening for your voice for direction. We pray that today. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, that are disciples, Lord, would you speak to us in a very clear way of reminding us of maybe if there's areas that, that, are, that we are not under submission. Be with Rob today as he is on mission. Father, I pray specifically for he and also pray for, 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 um, for Bob as well. Pray you'd encourage them, protect them. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let me ask this question. What is it that drives you? What is it that drives you? What's, what's the agenda that you, that you live by? Because if you're like me, there's probably some agenda that sits at the top of your priority list that drives everything else that you do. What is that? Trying to please people? Is it finances in the bank? Is it a position? What is it that drives you? What is it that consumes your time? What is it that consumes your effort? What is it that consumes your bank accounts? What is it that consumes... What is it that consumes you? Because I know this, there's something that you put in that place. When we talk about kingdom perspective, maybe what we could say is, Lord, it's not my agenda, but it's your agenda. It's not my stuff, but it's your stuff. It's not my plan, but it's your plan because you are the king. Now listen, there's some things that I may say today that may not be in your notes, but they will be noteworthy. So you want to have a pen ready. But what is it that drives you? If we look up the word kingdom in the dictionary, this is how it would be defined. A country or state or territory ruled by a king or queen, a realm associated with or regarded as being under the control of a particular person or thing. If you were to look up the the word perspective, you would find this, a particular way of viewing things that depends on one's experience and personality. And I will tell you this, it's very difficult for us to understand a kingdom mentality when when we live in a Western world that's ruled by democracy. We on the same page? Understand? It's hard for us to understand kingship when we are we we live in a democracy where, listen, man, I gotta say. My voice counts. Oh, baby. Listen, it's going to get tough in here today. But when we talk about kingdom of God, what we are referring to is the reign of God. However, God exercises his dominion, his power, his sovereignty, and his influence. The word 
The Hebrew word for kingdom in the Old Testament and the Greek equivalent in the New Testament means this, royal power, dominion, rule, or reign of something. Let me give you some verses that we find. And man, if you're good, if you're good at flipping through the Bible, you, you go to the book of Psalms because why don't we just sit there just for a second. Let me read you some passages of Scripture from the book of Psalms in reference to, to kingdom and power. Psalms chapter 22, verse 28, it reads, For royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. And then in chapter 103, verse 19, I hear the pages flipping. That's great. I hear the pages flipping as you guys are going through the Bible. Psalms 103, verse 19, The Lord made the heavens in his, his throne, and from there he rules everything. And then we flip over a little bit more to, to Psalms 145, verses 1, 11, and 13, and we find these words, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom, and they will give examples of your power. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom that you rule throughout all generations. And the Bible teaches us this from the beginning, that God created the heavens and the earth. In Psalms chapter 24, we read, The earth is the Lord's and all of its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it in the ocean depths. And then in Psalms 47 too, For the Lord most high is awesome. He is a great king of all the earth. And if you know anything about kingdoms, this is what you know. There is only one king in the kingdom. One king. One king, not two, but one. God is the first king, and he produced children to have dominion over the earth. The word domain or dominion, dominion means rule and power. He gave us, he had children, he produced children so that we could have dominion over the earth. Domain refers to the territory or the property or the area over which a king authority extends. And this is what we find in Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let, let us make human beings in our image to be like us, and they will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the east, and, and all uh, the small animals that scurry along the ground. And so here's God with this sovereign power over creation, and he's delegated to us the responsibility to have dominion over his domain. I love what David has to say in Psalms 8 going back. Listen to this. Listen to the Psalms that he writes in Psalms 8. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name. It fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You've taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies over all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers the moon and the stars that you set in place. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean currents. O oh Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name that fills the earth. So God not only demonstrated his power and authority in creation, but he created us as human beings to have reign and dominion over his domain. There's some principles about concepts about 
kingdom or kingship. And I want to I give you just a couple because we don't have any time, not a lot of time here today. But I want to just mention a couple things to you that I think is very important to help rearrange our thinking just for a second. So all kingdoms have a king. All kingdoms have a, a divine or sovereign power. All kingdoms have a territory, a domain. And the king is always wanting to extend his kingdom, to further his kingdom. All kingdoms have a constitution or a royal covenant. The power, the governing power of how things work and how things run. All kingdoms have law, principles that the citizens live by. And all kingdoms have citizens. Legally recognized subjects are nationals. These are just a couple. But let's, talk about, let's talk about kingship. Let's talk about kingship for a second. Because we need to understand that a king isn't voted into office. He's not elected into office. He can't be impeached out of office, but he's put in office by his birthright. Regardless if you make Jesus king or not, he's still the king. He's the king of kings. The second thought is that a king's word is law in the kingdom. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, we see where Solomon writes, the king's word is law. No one can ask him, why are you doing this? If you want to think from a kingdom mentality, we need to understand that the laws of the kingdom are not a result of Congress. They're not a result of some bargaining right that we have. They're not set in place by the Supreme Court, but it is the king himself. The laws flow from the mind of the king. And guess who owns everything in the kingdom? king does. The king owns everything in the kingdom. The president of the United States, the POTUS, doesn't own the, he doesn't own the country. But in a kingdom, the king owns everything. Guess who sets the priorities in the kingdom? The king does. <laughs> the king does. The king tells us what's most important and what's not important. We're not left out in the dark. We all know what, what is what is the, the king's heart? You know it. And in Matthew chapter 6, here's Jesus. He comes along and as Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's going to tell us what's the heartbeat of the king. And that's what Jesus does. He brings along and introduces the kingdom of God and teaches us about God's kingdom and what it looks like and what the priorities are and what the priorities aren't. And look in Matthew chapter 6 and let's sit here just for a second. Jesus doesn't begin by telling us what's important, but he starts out by telling us what's not important. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And listen to these words. And before I read this to you, let me ask you a question. Why do you do what you do? Why do you work? I mean, why, why do you work the extra hours that you work? Why do you work the overtime that you work? Why, why is it that you do what you do? What for? So that you can eat, so that you can have clothes, put them on your back, so that you've got a, a place to stay, a roof over your head, so that you can do what you want to do, the extracurricular activities. Why do you do what you want to do? And look what Jesus has to say here because it's so important as he talks about the things that, that really aren't that important. He says this, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. 
And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? How many times do we worry about stuff that's really not in reference to the kingdom at all? So don't worry about these things, he said. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Boy, look, look, look at verse 32. These things dominate the thoughts of who? See, all this other stuff, that they dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers or the pagans. Oh, dear Jesus. How much of our time and how much of our effort is spent on these things? Whose kingdom are we functioning underneath? It's hard for us to understand a kingdom mentality when we live in a Western world. When I travel to some of these other places, they aren't concerned about these things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows what you Need. Jesus is saying, listen, we can be so consumed with things that aren't the priority of the Father's kingdom. And then look at what he says next. Mm. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he'll give you everything that you need. First and foremost... The priority in the king's kingdom is what? Seeking. Seeking the kingdom of God. Seeking after the heart of God. And living righteously. And he will give us everything that we need. See, we want to know what consumes our thoughts. Check our schedules. Check our bank accounts. Check our calendars. And we'll see that. But here's Jesus saying, listen, don't focus on these things over here because these are the things that have an ability to consume us in the world in which we live. To take up our time and to take up our efforts and to take up our schedules and our resources. But he said, don't do that because that's not from the kingdom of God. But he says this, seek first the kingdom. See, in God's kingdom, there's, his priority is two things. To spend our life seeking after the kingdom of God. To pursue it. To study it. To get to know how it works. And secondly, to live righteously. That word righteous is a word that comes from the court of law. And it means to be rightly positioned with an authority or government. Did you speed on the way to church today? Broke the law? You're out of fellowship. But look at what he's saying here. Seek first the kingdom of God, then live, live righteously. When we live righteously, we, we are placing ourselves under submission to the king and his priorities. 
And that's big. Maybe we can say it this way, seek the government of God first, then seek to stay in line with the government under his authority and rule as the king. You know what the message of Jesus was? Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. You know what he was saying? Change your way of thinking. Repent. Change your way of thinking because the way that you've been thinking is not correct. There is only one king who stands in authority over it all, who has power and dominion over the domain. And he's given us the privilege as citizens of his kingdom, of followers of Christ, to be his light, to be his glory here on earth as we live. And so how do we seek the kingdom of God? You spend time with the king. Because at the center of a kingdom, at the center of God's kingdom is, not, is a person. It's not an organization. It's not a religion. And it's not a denomination. In Matthew chapter 11, it was, it was said, Come to me, Jesus said, all to you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In other words, come spend some time with me. Come spend some time with me and I'll, I'll, I'll help you understand and get to know more about God's kingdom and his, and his principles. Dottie and I were talking the other day and, and she said, oh, let me show you this. And, and, and it's a passage of scripture in the book of Acts. You can turn there, Acts chapter 1. And so here it is, Jesus, after the, the death, burial, and the resurrection. Jesus is in that time period between the resurrection and the ascension. And the Bible talks about his time that he spent with the disciples. And look at what Luke has to say here in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. He said, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And what did he do? What did he do? He talked to them about what? What did he talk to them about? The kingdom of God. That's what he talked to them about. So if we want to know more about the, the characteristics and the priorities of the kingdom, you need to spend time with the king. The kingdom of God, like I said, is not a religion, it's not a democracy, it's not a form of government, but a kingdom, and I copied this, and I want you to know this, I want you to hear this, kingdom is a governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it, his will, with purpose and intent while producing a citizenry of people who express his culture and reflect his nature. Let me say it for you again. A kingdom is a governing influence of a king over his territory impacting it with his will, purpose, and intent while producing a citizenry of people who express his culture and reflect his nature. In other words, the kingdom is impacted by the mind of the king. That's why Jesus said, listen, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, your kingdom, no, your kingdom, not my kingdom, your way, not, not my Way. And God took the laws that were written on the tablets and now he writes them on our, on our, in our minds and on our hearts. 
And when we submit ourselves, our lives to the king, the Holy Spirit gives us the desire to live for the king, to live out the king's ways. See, as God's children, we're supposed to love one another and and bear one another's burdens, not because of what the Bible has to say, but because it's the heart of the king. We're supposed to to, to forgive one another, not just because of what Jesus had to say at the Sermon on the Mount or because of Paul's writings, but because it's a culture of the king and his heart. It's because we are supposed to be image bearers because we want to reflect the heart of the Father. In God's kingdom, listen, the culture is to love our enemies because it's, it's the heart of the Father. In God's kingdom, generosity isn't a have to, but it's a get to. Because it's the way that king does business. Jesus said, blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who work for peace and reconciliation. And you know why? Because it reflects the nature of the king. And there's one king that rules and reigns. And it's the king of kings. And when we accept Christ... And when we choose to follow him, we're not only saved from our sin by what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago, but we become a functional part of God's kingdom here on this earth, changed into his likeness, the likeness of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is our king and we're living in his kingdom, how do we have a kingdom perspective? See, this is, this is hard because you're saying, I, I, I want to say. I, I want to have a vote. No. No. There's only one king in the kingdom. And so how do we have a kingdom perspective? How do we understand the new priorities? How do we seek first and live righteously? How do we represent the king? How do we understand that we are his ambassadors, that when we walk out these doors that God has prepared us for such a time as this to be his instruments of peace and grace into the world in which we come? And so the question does, does my actions reflect my citizenship? I mean, listen, when people see you outside, do they know that we're of a different kingdom? When people see us on the outside, can they identify, man, those people are different. We should be different. We should act different. The way that our values should be different because we are of a different citizenship. Does what we're doing advance the kingdom of God? How are we using the time and talents and resources that we have to plant seeds of faith and have influence in the lives of others? How is my life reflecting God's glory? See, if, if you like professional sports or football or basket, you know, there's some kind of game going on tonight that we're all tuned into. And some of you are, are Los Angeles. Isn't it Los Angeles Rams that's playing tonight? My wife informed me that the, the New England Patriots were playing. I'm like going, babe, who cares about the New England Patriots, you know? <laughs> but it doesn't take very long to walk into a room and all of a sudden people are showing off their colors. I mean, man, look, I'm a Rams fan. Or I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Pat fan. Or you walk to a Florida-Georgia game, and I promise you, Bill's going to have on, not going to be a Georgia Bulldog outfit, but he's going to have a Florida Gator outfit, even though Georgia's better, right? (laughs) 
Some people, they don't understand. I mean, but it doesn't take very long for all of a sudden verse to go, hey man, look, look at me. Or, you know, somebody wins a ball game, they come wearing a cap. I, I mean, Michigan, baby, Michigan. She liked that Sheila, Michigan hadn't won in a long time. It's off. But it doesn't take very long to identify what side we're on. Man, well, listen, we're in this world. I want you to know whose side I'm on. No problem, no question whose side we're on because we love to wear that jersey and we, we, want, to, we want to express our values. But what happens when it comes down to the king of kings? Does our life reflect whose side that we're on? A kingdom perspective, there's one king. Man, listen, he's given us the mandate. We know his heart. And you know what it is? It's not condemnation. Man, it's love for us. He desires for us. Man, we should be hurting for those who are hurting. Marriages that are hurting, man, we should be hurting for the marriages that are hurting. For the kids that are struggling, we should be hurting for those that are hurting, trying everything that we can to try to present them and show them the word, the hope, the truth that lies when we sit up under his kingdom. Not to run from those times, not to talk about those times, but to be an expression of his love. But it's hard for us to understand that. It's a whole lot easier to do church and do some religious stuff, denominational stuff, but not in his kingdom. Not in his kingdom. Whose side are you on? Where's your citizenship? If I were to take five of your closest friends and I were to sit them and say, okay, um, tell me about Dan McCondy. Is Dan different? And Dan's different. Why is he different? Because he cares. Dan always seems to call when nobody else will call. Dan seems to love when nobody else seems to love. Dan seems to forgive when nobody else forgives. Dan seems to be generous when nobody else seems to be generous. Dan's different. What five of your closest friends say about you? Where's your citizenship? Where does your allegiance lie? See, when we look from a kingdom perspective, we understand there's only one king. And that one king has given us dominion and power to rule here on this earth over his creation. And as citizens of his kingdom, we should look differently. Two things Jesus said about the kingdom of God, seek him first. Live righteously, live underneath, submit yourselves underneath the rule and the reign and the desire and the heart of the king. That's what he said. You know, it's a privilege in being a part of God's family and part of the citizen of God's kingdom to be able to, to recognize. I, I don't know, I've not experienced this. I've, I've heard about it and I've seen it, but they say that when you get up in, in a monarchy, um, that every day there's an allegiance to the king. Praise to the king. Thanks to the king. Glory to the king. 
a recognition of his power and his majesty and his glory. Today we have the privilege of celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And for those of us that are citizens that are part of the kingdom, whose hearts have been circumcised and are, and are seeking to live in obedience to the Father, we have the privilege of celebrating the Lord's Supper in recognition of his sacrifice, in recognition of his love, remembering that one day he's coming back. And today, if you're a part and your allegiance is to God our Father, and if today, without a shadow of a doubt, that you say, I'm a citizen of God's kingdom, you're welcome to participate. Because that's who participates in the Lord's Supper, those of us that are believers and followers of Christ. But if you're here, and listen, if you're not a follower of Christ, the only question I would ask is why? Why, why, why are you not a follower of Jesus? Why are you not a disciple of Jesus? The Bible says it's because of our pride. Pride is, is one of those things that separates us because it said, well, I don't need Jesus. I don't need him. But the Bible teaches and Paul instructs us before we receive the Lord's Supper, that we are, we are supposed to examine our lives and to ask ourselves, you know, how are things going? How are things going? Are, are we living in line with the kingdom mandates that God has given us? See, we aren't saved by keeping of the law. Impossible. That was why Jesus came. So that his blood would cover our sin. The Bible teaches us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That Jesus himself became the Lamb of God to be sacrificed for our sins. And so this morning as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, this time is remembering the suffering and the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It was Paul that gave us these words. He said, for I received from the Lord what also I have passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, that he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is done for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That the breaking of the bread was a sign. It was a symbol of the brokenness that Jesus himself would experience. Paul goes on to say, um, in the same way that after the supper, he took the, he took the cup, and the cup is the new covenant in my blood. And do this, he said, whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The, the, the juice being a, a response, a symbol of the blood of Christ that was shed for us. And a little bit later, Paul would say, listen, he said, whenever you eat this bread and whenever you drink this cup, whenever you celebrate this time of the Lord's Supper of Communion, he said, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. So, for those of us that are citizens, today we have the privilege of celebrating the Lord's Supper in observance and remembrance of our King's sacrifice.
May it be a time of remembrance for us today. I'm going to ask if our ushers would come into place. This morning, there'll be a time of silence for you to reflect. There'll be a time of you for, for uh, examination of your own life. As families, as individuals, couples, it's an opportunity for you to come to the table today and to remember. And as you come to the table to remember that we celebrate and we remember that he is the king of kings and that we are an expression of his glory here on this earth, but that one day he's coming back. So as we celebrate, you feel free when that time comes to come to one of these tables. Our ushers will... Our ushers will will uh, give you a, a they'll give you some bread and they'll give you a, a cup and you can go to one of the places just by yourself you can partake of that right there you can just find yourself a, a silent a quiet area to go but today we remember we remember as we celebrate the king of kings would you bow with me father thank you for our day today the opportunity for us to be reminded of of your presence, to be reminded that, Lord, that, that you are the king. You are the king of kings, the ancient of kings, the king of glory. And, Father, I pray today that we would be reminded that, that God, that, that you sit in that place of position of authority. And in that place and position of authority, Lord, you have given us your mandate through your word. Father, help us to be faithful in living that out. God, I pray that as we celebrate this Lord's Supper today, we would be reminded of your suffering and your death on the cross and for the privilege we have of living for you. When we walk out these doors, may we be reminded of a kingdom perspective and continually ask ourselves that question, how is my life bringing glory to the Father? How am I living as a Christ ambassador until he comes? In Jesus' name.